uh, utilities need to boost their performance. They have done a lot, they've made big effort, but that's not enough due to the competitions. Hello and welcome to our podcast series on the transformation of energy and utilities companies to better serve their customers in the digital age. My name is Vito Labate and I'm joined today by Colette Lewiner, the energy advisor to the Capgemini chairman, and Philippe Vieille, director of energy and utilities at Capgemini. We are here to talk about the latest World Energy Markets Observatory report and some of the key findings specific to Europe. Colette, Philippe, welcome. Hello. Hello. So let's start with a question that I know is on a lot of people's minds these days, and that's about oil and oil prices. How are the oil prices evolving and how would you say they're going to impact the utility sector going forward? Since one year, the oil prices have uh, increased significantly. They were around $50 uh, per barrel one year ago, and now they are more than 80 And even some people could forecast them to be up to $100 per barrel. This is linked to uh, economic growth on one side and also some geopolitical uh, tensions with Iran, with Saudi and Venezuela. Now, is this sustainable? Usually the experts believe that no and that prices should stay robust uh, around 70 to $80 per barrel, but not go to heights as it was in 2008 at $150 per barrel. So the usual forecast is that they would stay at around 70 to $80 per barrel. So this is interesting. I mean, it's a good segue into, I guess, the next question around energy transition. And of course, energy transition is a key focus of the report. Colette, can you give an overview of how Europe is progressing and changing their energy mix? So we believe that energy transition is increasing of renewable energies, uh, doing better on energy efficiency and mainly decreasing the greenhouse gases. I think Europe is progressing. Renewables progressed mainly onshore wind and uh, solar, even if investment in those sectors have decreased. But this is because uh, thanks to cost improvements, costs have gone down. And so with the same amount of dollars, let's say, you can build more uh, solar uh, farms or uh, onshore wind and offshore wind. So this is one thing. Energy efficiency is progressing, but not very quickly, I would say. Fossil fuel consumption is going down. Uh, now, in Europe last year, there were decommissioning of coal plants and some gas plants, even if gas plants, uh, new ones were also uh, built. So I would say, yes, it is progressing. Another important point is that the costs are going down, continuing to go down, solar uh, decreasing faster. And as you know, those energies are intermittent by nature, so you need storage. And here also there is a good news, storage costs are also going down and the storage manufacturing capacity in the world is going up. So I would say yes, it is progressing. So we talked about the progress, but let's talk about the goal now. I understand that the main energy transition goal for Europe uh, is to meet the Paris 2015 climate accord objective to limit the planet's temperature increase to two degrees Celsius. That's to be done by 2050. But 
these climate change objectives seem to be threatened. Why is that? So before getting to 2050, we have some milestones. Europe has set two milestones, one in 2020, which is decrease of greenhouse gases emission of 20% compared to 1990, and in 2030, a decrease of 40%. Up to last year, we saw a continuous decrease. But in 2017, there are some increase in greenhouse gases emissions. And so this is a threat, I would say, to uh, achieving the Paris uh, Agreement's object. Why uh, those emissions went up? It's mainly because there was a better economy, better economy growth, meaning there is more plants that are operating and uh, more activity in general. And usually this means more energy consumption and more emissions. So it is very important to, in an economic growing period, to still maintain greenhouse gases uh, emissions to and to have them decrease. So uh, I would say it's not a big threat for the moment. And if you look globally, Europe is, I would say, the good student in the class compared to other regions, North America, China, India, that are increasing the uh, greenhouse gases e- emissions. Right. Well, and you know, one thing I read in the report, it indicates that Europe is going to need more gas imports sooner than expected. W- what happened to affect that plan? The main reason is that in Europe, we have three gas-producing countries. Norway, the UK, that the gas fields in UK are becoming depleted, and the Netherlands. In Netherlands, there's a big gas field called Groningen, and there were some environmental problems in Groningen, mainly some small earthquakes. So the, the Dutch government has decided to phase out this gas production in a few years, but to start by decreasing the production. So this means that Europe needs to import, and I would say the problem here is that we are importing a lot from Russia. Gazprom, which is a Russian operator, has increased its uh, sales to Europe and increased its market share. And today we buy 35% to Russia. The second question which is on the table is that the Russians are building a new pipeline called Nord Stream 2 that will bring gas from Russia to Germany mainly without going to Ukraine. And this will also increase the importation of Russian gas. So we need to be careful on that. And I would say the American LNG, which is a liquefied natural gas importations, could be a good way to diversify the European supplies. Well, thank you for that, uh, Colette. Uh, Philippe, I wanted to turn to you for an opinion. It seems that the utilities landscape is changing quite quickly in terms of the financial situation. Can you talk a little bit about what's changing and what energy providers should be prepared for going forward? Uh, Yes, Vito. Hello, everyone. 2017 was a good year for the financial situation of European utilities. First of all, an improvement in terms of revenues due to uh, the economic growth and the consumption growth and due also to the wholesale prices level. Secondly, the EBITDA margins continuing to decrease, but uh, the decrease is uh, slowing down, uh, which is uh, good news. And in the same time, the utilities utilities are continuing to invest due to the important capex requirements. Their debt levels, their leverage ratio are investing. The good news in that is the fact that the German with a better shape, the German players have started to invest again. Last but not least, uh, the stock market performance was great, which was not happening uh, since years and years in the sector. And most of the uh, players reported a very, very good stock performance, which means that uh, the 
uh, analysts uh, recognize the effort that has been made by the players in terms of transformations, in terms of leveraging the digital possibilities, even if uh, they must accelerate on that. Interesting. So the topic on everyone's mind then is really transformation. And I mean, let's move to utilities transformation. It seems that the uh, idea of the integrated business model is being is questioned here. What's driving that, do you think? Uh, first of all, uh, the utilities, the big utilities in Europe, not integrated anymore with the deregulation which happened since 1990 and the years after. So you have the contestable market, which are generation, trading, retail, and services, and you have the regulated market with the transmission and distribution. Many new players are entering in the game, oil and gas players, equipment suppliers moving to services, builders, car manufacturers, the tech specialists, the GAFAs, and the market is really tough. So each player has to find his own room in various parts of the value chain, and it depends finally on the countries. In Germany, for example, the players have decided to specialize, to grow again better and faster. In some other countries, they try to reintegrate and to be on various parts of the value chain. It depends completely. And each of them has to find new streams of revenues and margin to differentiate on the market and also to grow again on this very, very competitive market. So in closing, Philippe, um, maybe I'll ask you, what, what recommendations might you have for energy companies that are seeking to adapt their business models in the future? We have eight recommendations in the report, uh, Vito. I will share these recommendations with Colette. First of all, the usages uh, are changing. For example, electricity deployment in transformation is a key improvement to reach decarbonized energy objectives. Secondly, uh, utilities need to boost their performance. They have done a lot. They've made a big effort, but that's not enough due to the competitions uh, happening on the market. They have to boost their performance plant implementations. They have to deploy digitization quicker and transform their business model faster than they have been doing in the in the past. Very good. And uh, if I may add, Vito, I would uh, look at a more global perspective. I would say first, the climate uh, change question is fundamental. And to reach the European objectives and the Paris Agreement objectives, there are more measures to be taken. And one we recommend is to have a carbon floor price, which has been implemented in countries like UK very successfully. So we believe that either Europe should have a European carbon floor price or different countries should implement it. So this is one. On the second point, I think we cannot have only intermittent renewables. You need to have some schedulable energy. If not, you cannot balance your grid. So we need to get an optimum mix, energy mix, with on one side renewables that have to continue to grow and on the other side schedulable generation with low carbon emissions, which is nuclear on one side and gas on the other side. With those intermittent renewables, balancing the grid is more difficult, as often those renewable farms are managed by local grids. This means that the role of the DSOs, the distribution system operators, is changing, and they really need to operate the grid in a way to balance a consumption which is variable with now a generation which is changing. And this means that their role is changing, and they have to implement 
and smarter goods. If I look more on an international perspective now, on one side, Russia. Russia is becoming a dominant player in the gas supplies of Europe. So I think Europe should be aware of that. And another actor which is far away, but still important, is China. China is becoming also a dominant player in the utility space. China is the first emitter of greenhouse gases. It is also a big exportation of technologies, notably solar panels, which they are now the main exporter by far. The third point, I would say that they have key uh, resources that are very important for energy transformation, namely what is called the rare earths and the rare metals. They have 30% of the worldwide reserves and they have 95% of the production, so nearly 100%. So the Western countries are very dependent on that for everything, your cell phone, the batteries, the solar panels, etc. So I think the Western world needs to be attentive to that. And finally, they are investing in Europe, in grid, European grids, starting south of Europe. And if one has a lot of imagination, we can think that their Silk Road projects, it is today a, a road and a maritime road and also railroad road, could also be one day an electricity road and they want to connect China to the other European countries with high voltage grid. This will perhaps never happen, but I think we need to be aware of that and mainly to take measures to maintain our independence and uh, to maintain the energy security. This is excellent. Lots of really interesting insights in this edition of WeMo. Colette and Philippe, thank you for your time and your insights here. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, uh, you too can learn more about WeMo uh, and you're free to download the report. You can do that by visiting capgemini.com slash WeMo. Thanks for listening.